Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Hey, Mike. Wendy, I miss your voice. I haven't heard you on the podcast in forever. Thanks. I miss your voice. Well, I hear your voice. Right. We, all the time. It's just because <laughs> you, you've been doing some some great interviews and talking to a lot of interesting people. And uh, But no, the actual conversing live like this hasn't happened in a while. So it's nice to be back in the same virtual room here. That's right. That's right. And so, yeah, it's been a couple episodes. But um, no, I think the interviews have been really good. We've been getting some super interesting people. Today is one of those days. It is. We have a a sci-fi channel personality on the show today and paranormal investigator. Yes. And he's got a real, uh, I don't want to say radio voice, I guess. It was enjoyable to edit. Yes, he could be an announcer. Or something. He, he's good. And he's yeah. got a show on the Reels Network. And we're, we'll get into that in a second and, and talk Wait, about for reals? For, for reals. With the oh. Z. With the Z. That's how you do things now. Yes. But he's got a cool new show and his he just debuted uh, this Saturday. So you'll be able to watch it on the network all week and we'll talk about that. Life is great ever since we released our new CD. Weirdest Hits. Yep. That's right. It's out there now. It's out there in the wild. Sunspot Weirdest Hits. <laughs> so if you are a first time listener, uh, Wendy and I do play in a rock band called Sunspot. We have a song in every episode that we write for each episode. But we've been collecting the most popular of those songs, the ones that get the most downloads. And we've been going into a big studio and recording them with a producer and stuff. So we've got like 18 tracks on the new CD. And most of them are based on topics and things like that, that we've talked about on See You on the Other Side podcast. So I'm pretty excited. I think I'm real happy with how everything turned out and it's been getting a good reception so far. So yes, hopefully uh, more people will continue to listen to it and send us some feedback and let us know which of those songs they like the best. Right. You can you can listen to it all at sunspot.bandcamp.com and you can actually stream all the songs and let us know what you think of it. And if you like it, you can buy a copy for yourself and we'll send it to you. We'll even sign it and things like that. So we just, just wanted to let you know about that. That's our shameless plug that we have a new CD out. That's right. But it is exciting because we've been releasing EPs over the past few years and the last actual full-length record if you will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that we released was in 2011. So, I mean, it's just fun to have another to have an, a, another full one. Yes, out there. another piece of merchandise. And uh, no, everything sounds really good. So, no, we're like proud parents. Geet. Yep, released our CD baby out to the world. So, <laughs> so go right. check it out. And in the news, it's Halloween. Oh, month. God, I love it. Exciting. Yeah. And you, also for any new listeners, Mike has a haunted history tour of Madison, Wisconsin, and now Minneapolis, Minnesota, that launched this weekend. You are multi. Yes, man. so um, we're, I'm 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 tri-coastal as long as it's the the middle coast of of, <laughs> of the United States. So yeah, well, congratulations on the new launch of that tour. And, Thank you. It, um, it, I'm excited to check that one out because I've been on the Madison one and I really enjoyed. Thank that, you. But uh, I'd like to learn something about Minneapolis. It is, and it's it, it is. If you don't know anything about Minneapolis, and it's funny, the Minneapolis people that have taken it are like, "Oh my God, I didn't even know this about the city." So it really it it, it takes the, the haunted aspect, obviously, but we put a lot of history in there so that you leave there knowing a lot more about the city than when you start. And if you're interested or you're anywhere near the Twin Cities, MinneapolisGhosts.com is where you can 
take that's a look right. at that. And then we also have another exciting thing that I'm going to be participating in on Saturday. Oh my God, that's right. In, <laughs> in the spirit of Halloween. And 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 can you tell us a little bit about how thrilling that's going to be for you, Wendy? <laughs> it's going to be very thrilling. The whole world is going to be thrilled, in fact. There's a website called thrilltheworld.com. And you can learn the Thriller Dance. And then on October 24th at 5 o'clock Central Time, all over the world, people do the dance to the song Thriller by Michael Jackson. And that was always one of my favorite albums growing up. And I love the dance. I love the video. It's fun, especially at Halloween time. So and a friend is going to join me and we're going <laughs> to... What are you going to do? Are you going to... Are you going to do it at a bar or anything like that before? Because I know in the past you've done it at the Madison Horror Film Festival. You did it down there. You did it at the Dry Bean. When that, is it going to be at a That's certain right. location where the world will be thrilled? Actually, I, I don't know yet. We haven't figured that okay, out. Okay, that's up in the air. So if anybody has a good recommendation for a location in Madison, please let us know. Otherwise, we'll probably just go up somewhere near the Capitol or maybe the Monona Terrace or somewhere like that. There is a horror film festival is going on this weekend at Market Square. That's right. So that's there's always... So I need to... I've got work to do to figure out the location this week, but I'll tweet it. But what's the place that people like? So people can go to thrilltheworld.com, right? Yeah. And it shows you in each city, the cities that have signed up for it. So you can find out if there's a group doing it in your city, if you want to go support them, watch them live. Now, how many people? It's fun. How many people have participated in the past? I don't know. Like, cause it's international. So it's, it is worldwide and it's neat. Cause everybody posts their videos on YouTube after the fact. So like one year, um, I know Austin, Texas had like over 800 people and there's, and then like Berlin, Germany had, you know, a couple hundred. It's pretty cool. Ours is a smaller group just because I haven't really had too much time to organize and round up other zombies. So it'll be a very but, but, <laughs> quaint group of zombies. But, but I mean, across the world, it could be like 10,000 people across the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, easily. Okay. Yeah. I would say, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 maybe. Or, Everybody re- registers their event online and... It's just a fun thing. So, okay. So it's, it is pretty fun. So you guys should check it out. And Wendy does, I've seen Wendy do the thriller and she can really shake them down. Oh, thanks, so, Mike. Well, speaking of shaking things, well, yes. that's, uh, you know, dynamite is one of the ways that people used to, pe- <laughs> nice transition. people used to mine. <laughs> and yeah. And so, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really huge in the paranormal reality shows. Like, I think a lot of them are scripted and I don't buy, I don't buy it. But um, yeah. this interview with Patrick Doyle today from the show Ghost Mine on Sci-Fi, I think they had a very cool premise. And I think the chances of them getting evidence were way higher because they spent a long time in the same place. Interesting. Yeah, that's not something that most people do. I mean, they go and visit a site once or maybe for an overnight or two, but not that type of uh long visit right and and so that's what i think made it a really unique show and the show is called ghost mine and it was on in the sci-fi channel for two seasons starting in 2013 and we talk a lot about that because that's kind of um what made patrick a paranormal celebrity and it's really interesting Mm -hmm. so we'll be talking about ghost mine and we'll also be talking about his new show called behind the screams where they find the real life inspiration behind some of our favorite horror movies which is obviously something that uh, we do here all the time, you know. Very relevant. To yes. So uh, anyway, that's on the Reels Network, and, and that's just started. You can see Patrick talking about The Exorcist this week, and he talks about The Conjuring and Fire in the Sky. Anyway, we can introduce the guy on that, or we can let him introduce himself. Yes, let's, shall we? We shall. We are with paranormal researcher and author Patrick Doyle. You might recognize him from the Sci-Fi Channel's Ghost Mine. 
and you'll be able to catch him this Saturday on the Reels Network for their TV show, Behind the Screams. How are you doing today, Patrick? Doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we're excited to check out Behind the Screams. It looks like it's, it's super cool. So we'll get to talking about how you guys got that and a little preview of that in a bit. But start out for our listeners who might be unfamiliar, where are you originally from? Originally from, so I like to call myself a East Coast boy, but military family, so I've been all over the country. So okay. You name a state, I probably live there. If there's an Air Force base on it, I probably live there. All right. But Sounds mostly, good. But mostly an East Coast boy, Washington, D.C. area. All right. Great. Great. And uh, where are you out of today? Right now, I'm in Portland, Oregon. Okay. No, very hip city. Yeah. Uh, if you watch the TV shows, we, we look pretty hip, but, but we no. ju- just just don't move here. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's <laughs> we have enough people already. Right, that's what everybody who says who lives in a cool city. People in Austin are like, no, nope, we don't need any more. You know, yeah, we're full. We met the quota. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, and even here, we're kind of like, well, we got we got plenty. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, it's okay. Just uh, stay where you're at. Right. So okay. So out in Portland today, and I think the the number one question is, what got you interested? in the paranormal in the first place? Did you have, did, were you, is this something you're just into or did you have some kind of experience that triggered it for you? It was something that triggered it in me. And um, it's funny, many years I've been doing this uh, and getting out and talking to people and going to conventions, I found that my story isn't that much different than other people that have gone to the paranormal, which I find interesting. Okay. And my story is, when I was seven years old, I was a latchkey kid. And if you know what that is, you yeah. come home before your parents, you let yourself in, you do what you got to do until they come home. So I'd come home, play video games, and then just wait. But uh, where the TV was, the door to the basement was to the right of it. Okay. Nothing ever really happened. But one night, I was just sitting there playing video games, and I heard a noise at the, at, coming from the other side of the door. Okay, so let's, let's set the scene. Little Patrick, seven years old. Home, what, so what kind of what time of night is this, or what time of day before your parents get home? Oh, it's probably not that late. It's probably like uh, five thirty, but winter time in Chicago, it's probably getting dark already. Abs- no, absolutely, it's already. I mean, five thirty yeah. today, it's dark up here. So like, yeah. that's compl- okay. So it's already <laughs> already dark, winter time. Um, you're sitting at the, in the living room, Star- sitting on the floor, like kind of like the Exorcist. Uh, not an exorcist, uh, like the poltergeist girl right. sitting in front of the TV. Right the t- they're here. And playing uh, video games. I won't date myself by saying which video games, but... But, so it, was playing pit- video- but it was Pitfall. It's cool. It's all right. Uh, you have to go later than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sitting on the floor playing video games, door to the, to the right of the TV. I uh, hear a noise. So I'm just like, hey, I'm going to go check out see what that is. Again, I'm home alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, open the door. And look down the stairs. It's about maybe 10 or 12 steps. And looking up at me is a shadow figure. But at seven years old, I don't know what a shadow figure is. I just see this shadow of a man. Okay. Now, is it uh, like a hat or clothes or anything like that? Or you just see like it, just a, a, a shape? Like a what kind of shadow was it? Well, that's interesting. You The first thing you said was hat because, yeah, that's how I always describe him. It was, there was like no uh, facial features, no real detail. I just know it was a tall man wearing a tall hat. That's all I know. And um, I could feel it's, – it's weird to say when, when I say it. It's like I could feel that he was smiling at me. I couldn't see a smile, but I could just feel that he was smiling at me. Okay. But I wasn't scared though. So instead of running away and closing the door, I actually took a step down those stairs. 
And when I did that, the shadow figure wasn't smiling anymore. Okay, so you were, you were, you were. He was smiling when he was looking at you, and you were immobile. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you moved, his countenance, well, the count, the the feeling of his countenance changed. Yes. So it was like that. Uh, okay, it was like it was like almost like he didn't expect that, or the shadow figure didn't expect. It was like I'm here to scare this kid, and right. I didn't do it. I didn't do what it. I didn't do what it wanted. I didn't do my so job. I took, I took that step down. Yeah, it wasn't smiling anymore, and then it just stepped away and disappeared. And I didn't take another step down. <laughs> I just as soon as it disappeared, I went. I'm seven years old, and the only thing I knew of uh, ghosts and horror stories and stuff like that was Scooby Doo. And that's always like you pull the mask off, and oh, it's Mr. Jenkins from the the amusement park. <laughs> right, absolutely. So I didn't know what a shadow figure was. I was just kind of like, eh, whatever that was, I'm going to go return my video games. And I did and really never thought about it until like many years later. When I was just kind of discussing it with my dad. And he was like, oh, yeah, that house was haunted. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you, and, so you saw something. I mean, you, you had a clear manifestation, not like yes. something out of the corner of your eye or, I mean, it was, it was straight on. saw with your eyes. All right. And that was your... Your trigger experience. Now, when you told your dad about it, what were his similar experiences? He didn't talk about the experiences, but he's a he's a veteran of uh, the Vietnam War and all that stuff, and he doesn't really talk about death and all that stuff. He's seen like the, the worst of it. Sure. So when it came like the haunting, he was just like, "Yeah, that place is haunted." It was just like nonchalant. Okay, it was like, "Yeah, stuff happened there." It's like not, I'm not surprised. It was like the more I'm not surprised you saw something, and so that was the first experience, but it didn't trigger the uh the love of the paranormal until later when i started like really uh hearing more stories and reading reading books on the subject time life had a great series about uh the paranormal back in like the 80s oh yeah which like I, mystery, which, mysteries of the unknown yep and i really i just devoured those and i think my one experience with that shadow figure in that house and then those books really like launched me into my love for the paranormal okay so that's kind of, that kind of got you into it. And then you get a little older. Where are you in high school? In the D.C. area. Okay. Washington, D.C. You're in D.C. in high school. And were you going out and like investigating things? Were you checking stuff out? Was this something that even when you were... Because you know how teenagers are anyway. Mm-hmm. They're yep. prone to check that out. Was there a particular like, did you legend trip and go check things out? You know, I was still in the research like stage then. I was still reading. I was still just just taking in as many horror, just horror stories, ghost stories. I was just reading as much as I possibly could. I really didn't go investigating because again, there was really no investigating groups at that time. I didn't, and I didn't share my stories with like people at school or anything like that. It was just like, it was just me and my interest. That was okay. it. Okay. So you didn't have a bunch of people that all went out together or anything like you were just, you were devouring whatever you could find on the top. Just, just, yeah, just take it all in. And then when I was, I think it was like 18 or so. I moved out of the house and uh, moved in downtown DC, like right in downtown. I was like, a, like 14th of Massachusetts, and back then that was a terrible neighborhood to live in. But the rent was cheap, right? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> and there is when I started like going out to the haunted places in DC, like checking out the the haunted uh, buildings because that place is just a historic landmine. Oh, absolutely. So I would just go, oh, that place is haunted. I'm gonna go check it out, and again. Uh, no groups to hear of. Not, there was no internet at the time, so I didn't know about uh, EMF meters and K2s and voice recorders. I just went out with the hope to experience something. That's all it was. 
And that's all it is still now today. It's like my hope is just to go experience something for her, like uh, personally experience something. And if something awesome happens, I'll share it. But most of my outings now, I still go out by myself. I still do it for that personal experience. And I'm still trying to figure out what that shadow figure was at the bottom of the stairs. Okay. That, that's, that's pretty cool. Your trigger has a lifelong obsession that now has mm-hmm. led to a career. Yeah, just a lucky career. It just and we get into the career a little later, but the career just kind of um, happened. It just it was like one of those things. A person who knew a person who knew a person knew me. Okay, so so <laughs> oh, right. So now you're you're investigating like probably cemeteries, houses, things like yeah. that in Washington D.C. Yeah, anything that had a story connected to it. Okay, and you're down there checking out these legends and folklore, mm-hmm. and you brought a camera. Was this before digital cameras? Oh, way before digital cameras, yeah. Okay, so, like this is like this is like yeah. You had to like take photos and then wait. <laughs> right, it wasn't like I see an orb like thirty seconds. That's like check out this orb, everybody. No, you have yeah. to. Oh, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> and back then we had cameras where if it was an orb that showed up on camera, you actually maybe have some legitimacy to it. Digital cameras have basically screwed up uh, ghost photography. Well, it's it's orbs every thirty seconds now. Oh yeah, because the flash. Is, people don't understand what orbs. In pho- photographs are it's like uh, I'll I'll give a plug to my friend Kenny Biddle who wrote an incredible book about orbs because he's a photographer mm-hmm. so he knows the histories of cameras and photography so he wrote a great book based on 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 orbs and it's basically if you look at the history if you look at the history of orbs and the history of camera um, advancements and technology orbs show up at the exact same time that the flash was attached right next to the lens. Okay, and that that's a modern, I mean that's that's a fairly modern thing. Yeah, cuz before the the flash was either on the hot the the boot above the camera away from the lens or it was that little flash that went off. So the little pop flash. Mm-hmm. Where the bulb is dead and you have to like replace the bulb every time. So as soon as the digital camera came out, it's that flash is right next to the lens and that flash is reflecting off every little drop of moisture, every molecule, every, like every microscopic little thing that your eye can't see. It's reflecting off that and bouncing back into the lens. And then people are like, Oh my God, it's an orb. And Oh my God, it has a face. No, it doesn't have a face. It's It's not an orb. It's my grandmother. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a face on an orb. It's actually a reflection of the flash on something so small that you can't see it in front of the lens. Well, I, I'm with you a thousand percent on orbs. Like it's always, um, I run a, a ghost tour in Madison, Wisconsin. And so people always come like, oh, maybe I'll get some orbs on the, on this. I'm like, well, that might be good for marketing, but that's not really what we're in. If you get some more, like, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't, I'm not going to be like, hey, yep, that's the ghost of the governor right there. I'm just not going to let you know. No, that, that's, I think, excellent advice. If you see orbs, we just need a little bit more proof than that. Like it really has yeah. to be a face. Exactly. I always say if it's if it's an actual orb, it has to come a it has to be a glowing ball that actually comes towards you, does something unique and spectacular and paranormal and dissipates. It can't just be a little thing in a in a photog- in a photograph. So, that was a good tangent and um what's the name of the book so we can put it in the show notes so people can check it out? Oh, I don't have it on me. It's up in my library, but just look up Kenny Biddle. And then people will be able to find it? People will find it. B-I-D-D-L-E. Okay, cool. Okay, so you start investigating before then. You're going out there and just checking. Did you have weird kind of experiences back there? I did. 
when you think about it when you were going out on your own? Yeah, for some reason, and I always feel weird when I talk about my paranormal experience, even now, after after the TV shows and everything, I still feel weird talking about my paranormal experiences. But I see a lot of shadow figures. And in, in my history, I've seen figures a lot. And there were a few times in D.C. where I didn't know what I was looking at. It was just, I was looking at a empty window, and all of a sudden, a figure would form. And then dissipate. So those are the most I've seen, not full figure apparitions. I wouldn't say that because everything I've ever seen uh, doesn't have facial features or the detail of like the clothing. And I'll say, oh, what were they mm. wearing? I'd say, I don't know because everything I, I've ever seen has been a dark mass, a shadow, something that I could see through or even more dense. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it just seems to be like a reoccurring phenomenon that is attracted to me or I'm attracted to. Now, what kind of feelings did you get? Because, you know, a lot of times you listen to Coast to Coast and they'll talk about shadow people mm-hmm. and then, you know, somebody will have an explanation. You'll be like, well, and, you know, and then all they'll get into, well, the shadow people are from another dimension and they're here to kill you, blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> what kind of feelings did you get when you see beyond the initial like there's a little fear and adrenaline and everything comes with seeing something you can't explain? Mm-hmm. Did you feel fear? Or did you feel just like you were just encountering something benign or different? Yeah, I've never felt fear. Never felt fear. I've always, like, uh, it's more of excitement than anything else. And I don't know if that separates me from the rest, but, yeah, there's never been any fear of the unknown. It's more, it's it's me as a seven-year-old kid taking the step down the stairs. I still have that. It's like I see something, I'm like, what the hell is that? And right, let's not, go find it. <laughs> yeah, and if, people that watch Ghost Mine, uh, we caught uh, two shadow figures on camera, and those two same t- those two times that I caught them, um, I was the first one to see them for some reason. So I, I saw them in the dredge, where I was standing face to face with one, and then we saw one in the uh, the Freemasons drift, where we call it the Guardian was standing right there and kind of dissipated into the rocks. I didn't run away from it; I ran straight towards them. Sure, because when, when's the last time you heard in the news that somebody got killed by a shadow figure? Yeah. You know, nobody's like, yeah, shadow people, they're, kill, they're, they're killing kids all across the United States. Yeah. So to answer your question, yeah, it's like it's always just been this curiosity. But it, when you were asking the question, it brought up a story like from in D.C. Yeah. I used to be, I used to be a, a club kid. So the clubs didn't open till like 10, 11 o'clock. That's when they start happening. And I was just walking towards the Roxy one night and I stop in the sidewalk and I t- turn to this building and I look up at the third story window and I'm just looking in the window for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's that feeling that something's watching me, but I'm looking up at the window and I see nothing. And like I told you before, something just appeared like a, a figure just appeared and then dissipated. And I later looked up that building. It was a st- historic building. Right? So I jot- jotted down the name and like, Hey, Erected at this this date, and there were stories about it being haunted. Okay, great. So let's. It's kind of you were your suspicions were confirmed. Yes, that was that's the point. Yeah, so it's like it's, I, and it was just it started off as that feeling something's watching me right now, and I just kind of stopped in their tracks, and I knew exactly which window to look in, and there it happened. And it's it, well, it's kind of like when you talk to your dad. You know, mm-hmm. when you're like, hey, and he's like, oh, yeah, I was on it. Don't sweat it. And, <laughs> and, and that's the, I think that's the kind of thing that when you have those hits, when you're like, okay, 
I had an experience here and now I see that other people have had experiences here kind of, you know, validates mine a little bit more to know mm-hmm. that I just wasn't my imagination or so, or it still might have been in my imagination, but it just wasn't random that something happened here. You know, it, those are always yep. good to kind of glam onto because there's so many times where sometimes they don't get validated. Yeah. That uh, gets in there. And those are still fine, too, because I still chalk them up to, hey, something weird happened. Because, again, I don't share everything like uh, too many groups do. They share every little bit of everything that happens. Right. It's like uh, people that follow me on my Facebook and Twitter pages know that only time I share anything is if I am 100% sure, um, if I go higher than 100%, I would, if 100% sure that it is unexplainable. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll definitely we'll have links to your Facebook and Twitter, obviously, oh, yeah. in the show notes, so people can follow you and then they can see your adventures and what you're going. So you're in DC, you're checking out places, and then kind of where do, where's the where's the next part? Like, how does a guy who just likes going off on his own and investigating places become somebody who writes books and hosts a show, or you know, goes in and, and starts making this like a mainstream part of his life as a as a as mm-hmm. a, fig, a figure in the field? Okay, it's like, let's do a quick timeline. So DC, I was, I became a bouncer in DC, and this was during the Marion Barry days. So it was extremely dangerous. The cops were being, they were being paid off by corrupt organizations, shootings all the times. So I was pulling knives and guns off guys all the time every night, working these clubs. And I one that night I just woke. Great. Oh yeah, it was an awesome time. Um, yeah, being shot at, shot at is not uh, something I recommend to anybody, but. One morning, I just woke up and said, you know what? <laughs> I'm either going to be dead in a year or I'm going to make something of myself. And I said, I'm going to make something of myself. So was, I decided to move as far away as possible from the crap I was dealing with. So I moved all the way to San Francisco. Okay. Other side of the country. I mean, completely yeah. different environment. I, and I didn't, tell, I didn't tell any friends or anything. I just loaded up a U-Haul one night and drove. And drove across country, went across the Great Alien Highway while I was driving across. That was pretty awesome. And uh, ended up in San Francisco. And at, when I moved into San Francisco, uh, that's where the paranormal love just really kicked in. And because San Francisco, another great city for uh, paranormal research and investigations. Oh, and history and plenty of people open to new things, you know, like oh, yeah. open to ideas. And it's just no one would ever call San Francisco stodgy. <laughs> oh, not at all. And then the 1906 earthquake, there's such, so much tragedy there. And uh, you got to think about it, like all the buildings that crumbled and all the, the rebuild mm-hmm. of everything. Um, there's like, I created a web series while I was in San Francisco, San Francisco called Haunted Hoax. And the series was based on, uh, I, I have to go, let me go back a little bit before okay, I, I go no, there. That's all right. I'm, I'm with you. So I uh, wrote a book called Edgar Font's Hunt for a House to Haunt. And it's for young readers, ages uh, 7 to 14. And to promote the book, I created these little um, fake ghost videos where the book is – so it was, every video would start out, my house is haunted, and it's Edgar Font, the, the main character. Okay. And then I create this little – with fishing line and everything, like these little fake ghost videos. It's like, oh, my God, it was Edgar Font, the main character from my book. And I posted these on YouTube. Okay. And most people got it because in the description I say these are promotional videos. None of this is; these aren't real ghosts. Blah blah blah. People didn't read the <laughs> that little disclaimer. I was getting countless um, 
um, what is it like uh, posts underneath the video saying, "Oh my God, this is great evidence. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, I'm sharing this with all my friends." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! That wasn't uh, the intended." The, I yeah, these aren't real. And me being like a paranormal researcher and the love of the paranormal and the 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 truth of it all, like what we're really in this for, I want to put a stop to it. And what happened was people were linking my videos to other people's videos saying, oh my God, your experience is just like this person's experience. So I go check out that person's experience. I go, holy crap, that is so, that is obviously faked. Ah. And, I, and I know exactly how they did it. So I created Haunted Hoax. And what I did with Haunted Hoax was I would, I exposed those other videos. Uh, so say, you were like the Harry Houdini of YouTube. Yeah, it was just like I saw – and people would send me videos like, what do you think of this one? I said, well, that's obviously fishing line or that's obviously uh, – uh, they're cutting up – they're editing the video a certain way to make it look haunted and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So the whole web series was that. So – and, and that's wait, why well, – how did, how did that uh, get you treated in the community? Did you see that – like, you know, the reactions? You know, it's kind of like when the um, – the committee for the scientific investigate, you know, claims the paranormal. When 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 James the Amazing Randy comes in, some people are rooting him on, and some people are boo hissing him, like he's you know like Darth Vader just walked in the room. So how, what? Where did where did that get you? Randy James Randy is one of the greatest human beings on the face of the planet. I have a. It's like we're looking at each other, but the people that who are listening right now can't see that we're seeing each other. Right. But over on my shelf, over here to my right. I have a bent spoon signed by James Randi. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and if you don't know who James Randi is, please look him up. He is brilliant, and he is well known for uh, disproving uh, shysters, uh, con artists in the paranormal. Yeah, well, I mean, I, and the thing is, it's a very easy... It it's, is. It's a very easy b- place to take advantage of people because yes. people are very sensitive, and, and a lot of times they're in a lot of pain when they talk to these people, and so... You know, you, you remember when, uh, crossing over with Jonathan Edward? Remember that TV oh, yeah. show? Oh yeah, you know, oh like, definitely. I used to I watch that show all the time, and then you would just kind of see. No, I don't know if John Edward really has because he's never read me. You know, I don't know how much of that show. But speaking of sci-fi shows, um, I don't know how much of that show was. Uh, you know, how much of him was cold reading, faked things like that, or scripted, or even you know people were plants. But I did know that a lot of people that were there. Man, they wanted to believe, and they wanted to believe oh, they, badly. Yeah, yeah. and I, I got to admit, I watched that show when it first came on. I was That was a long time ago when it first came on. I was oh, like, yeah, like 15 holy, years ago. I was like, holy crap, this guy could talk to the dead. And I started researching and looking into it, and James Randi and all that other stuff, and going, no, he's just cold reading. And uh, one of my best friends is a, is a magician named Aiden Sinclair, he was just on AGT to give him a plug. Okay, um, right on. <laughs> um, and we were just talking about psychic tricks. And the thing with uh, Edwards and many other um, – because I do believe that there are a few people out there that, that – before I get into it, I do believe there are people out there who have that kind of gift of touching or tapping into. Sure. But those are – there's some – they don't do it for profit. They do it for helping people. Uh, the ones that do it for profit are the ones I don't like. And Edwards comes up for that. And one of the tricks he and others would do was when the line of people was waiting outside to get in, he'd have plants there. 
Mm. And so if I so if we're waiting in line together and you're there to talk to your grandfather or something and I'm standing behind you, I'm going, Oh my God, I'm so glad to be here. John Edwards is so awesome. I, I just hope that he could contact my mother. Um, she was such a great woman. Why are you here? And then you start telling me your story and I'm just kind of memorizing it. It's like, okay. Oh <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's it's like this, waiting in line for the prices right or something like yeah, that. It's where like, they, okay. It's just like this guy named Mike. He's looking to talk to his grandfather. He died of a heart attack. And it's like you're just as soon as you get into the the auditorium, you lose track of where people are. That, that Mark, me, mm-hmm. goes back to talk to Edward and say, "Okay, there's this guy and there's this person over here," and and you just pull up that information. Yeah, yeah, I can. No, I can totally see it. I can totally see it. For the first year or whatever, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I, I think this guy might be the real deal, man. Because there weren't shows like that at the time, you know. No. Like we, I mean, what was the what was before? You had sightings. You didn't oh, yeah. have this. I mean, what got me into the paranormal? Like that's incredible. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was a few years before I st- yep. I watched like Arthur C. Clarke World of Strange Powers, and that was like okay, somebody can really do an investigation of the paranormal and have it be on TV and not be completely exaggerated and out of this world. They can do a nice, honest look at things and take all sides into account without sensationalizing it. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, and now, I mean, obviously paranormal TV is the, I mean, that's, that's the gig. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? it's, it's a gig. That's for sure. But yeah, I'm still waiting. I personally haven't had a, a, a psychic reading by someone who I didn't think was a shyster. It's like, I've had like people come up to me and say certain things but I'm just going, you're, you're cold reading. I know you're cold reading. I've read books on cold reading. I know exactly what you're doing. But uh, so I'm hoping to have an experience. Absolutely. I was, like, I want to be read and I want them to get everything right. Yeah, because yeah, uh, a big skeptic also is uh, Grant Wilson. Mm. And I, I was having dinner with him one night a while back ago, like a year and a half ago. So just yeah. to, for the listeners, I mean, you probably know this, but Grant Wilson is one of the ghost hunters, taps yeah. the uh, he's, Atlantic he's, Paranormal he's, Society. Godfather of the paranormal. Um, great guy, awesome. Awesome guy, amazing guy. And we were just talking, again, he's very skeptical when, when it comes to paranormal research and psychics in general. And he was just telling me this story. I won't tell his story because it's very personal. Sure. But he, what he told me was like, okay, that is what I want to experience. Okay, it's so like, he, he had something that he felt was pretty damn close to real. Yes, it, it was like one of those things. Again, he's a skeptic when it comes to those types of things. So he he shoes shoes. He he pushes away most psychic claims. But when this person brought up the thing that they brought up, he was like, "Okay, all right, there's this is kind of cool." Well, that's that, that sounds good. That's a I I would love to have that experience sometime as well. Yes, I'm here. It's like uh, like a lot of people say, oh my God, I wish I could see a shadow figure. I'm hoping I could see. <laughs> right. I've, I've seen a shadow figure. I'm hoping I can meet someone that can actually go, okay, this isn't a cold read. This is something that no one else in the world knows except you and maybe one other person. Well, like you said before, when you said that you like to only share things that you really think are unexplainable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the point. Like if it's something that's like, you know what? This one really got me. You know, yeah. like I can't, like I've been pushing and like, this is as close to real as I can get, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think that's the, that's when it's really fun, you know, like yeah. that's because it's like, if you want to, if you want to get sensational, we have plenty of movies you know, that, that cover that territory and make it exciting and everything. So when you get it to like, I think this is real that I think that's where you, it starts getting really fun. Yeah. Cause you gotta, you gotta imagine, I get a lot of 
emails with uh, people sending me photographs and stuff like that. And I have to let a lot of people down. And to go back to a question you asked, you asked earlier about uh, Haunted Hoax and how do people like uh, how, take – Right. How did they take you? Um, the people that made the video, the fake videos hated me. Oh, of course <laughs> and, they did. And lashed out, of course. But the paranormal community in a whole really appreciated what I was doing. And it actually opened up the eyes of a lot of people. And I would get a lot, I would get more thank you emails than anything else. I think the more credibility you bring to the the field, you know, the more you help it be credible. I think everybody appreciates that. And to segue, hey, nice segue. Uh, <laughs> that's how Ghostmine happened. Okay. It's because of the haunted hoax. Uh, my credibility by doing haunted hoax. And the funny thing is, there. Here's the here's like the funny twist. Okay. I had the TV. I had the the web series called Haunted Hoax which did what I, we just talked about. When I signed with Sci-Fi, they said, okay, that Haunted Hoax thing, that was cool, and that's why you're here, but you have to take it down because now you are a ghost mine. I said, okay, that makes sense. So well, I took it down. They're, they're buying your brand. Yeah, they're buying Yeah, they're buying the brand. So I took Haunted Hoax down completely, website, all the YouTube videos. Ghost mine kicks in on Sci-Fi, uh, becomes an instant hit, People are loving it, millions of viewers every week. And then you have your little trolls and those little haters out there. And they're digging into you. They, and that's the thing. It's like we were warned about this because like our executive producer worked on uh, Ghost Hunters, the, the early years of Ghost Hunters. Right he before says, it got huge, yeah, I bet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like season two, season three, he started there. But he was like, uh, there's going to be these people out there just looking to like really just gnaw at you. And he says, you just got to ignore them. And yeah, there's those little trolls out there and they dig in your past and yeah, everything on the web, everything on the web, on the internet, you can't delete it. It's there in, in like some weird code and there's some little troll out there that knows how to decipher that code. Ah, so and, they saw that Haunted Hoax was gone. They saw, okay. Well, they just saw the title Haunted Hoax and like, a, and they didn't see any description of it. They didn't see any videos of it. They just saw the description Haunted Hoax. So they said, well, how can Patrick be a credible like paranormal investigator on this TV show if he doesn't believe in the paranormal because he has this TV show, uh, this web series called Haunted Hoax, where he's saying that all haunts are hoaxes. So they created this elaborate like story of how I'm not into the paranormal based on just the title of a, a YouTube series that did the exact opposite of what they were saying. Right. Okay. <laughs> So it's just funny, and, and I have a lot of uh, people, a lot of friends, like new friends that are, um, have new shows coming out in the paranormal field, and I'm telling them the same things that was told to me. It's like, there's going to be those people out there. You've got to watch what you say. You've got to watch what you post because there's those little trolls out there. They'll find those, you. Those little haters that are living in their mom's basement who wish they had your life and are just jealous who are going to like dig up every little nook and cranny about you and just twist it in the worst way. So when you start on that, and when you did this show, how did you feel they presented the things you found? You know, because I assume when you guys were doing some stuff, you found some things that you felt were pretty, pretty decent evidence? Yep, yeah. How did you feel about how they presented it? My only complaint is they didn't show enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I loved our Production staff, I love, I love what the, our, our sci-fi representatives because they let us investigate. They let us do what we do best. And uh, people always say, oh, 
every week you show all this great evidence. It's like, it can't be real because you're always showing great stuff. And I always say, it's like, you got to, here's, here's our shooting schedule. <laughs> Each episode is only 44 minutes. That's like you subtract the commercials, you get 44 minutes right. for a oh, show. They're down to 44 minutes. For, I guess that's right. I guess that's yeah. right. You know? So, but we're filming six days a week, a minimum of 12 hours a day. We did some 18 hour days every once in a while. Sure. I can imagine it's grueling. So six days a week, let's say, let's average it 14 hours a day. Um, six cameras working on both on the mine and on Kristen. Kristen and I had two cameras and the mine had miners had three cameras. They're taking, just do the math. I I'm terrible at math. So I don't know, like six, let's see, six cameras, five cameras, whatever it is. All those hours I was talking about. How does an, how do those editors create a 44 minute episode out of of like all that, (laughs) <laughs> right out of like six days of footage real quick though for the people that that may have not seen ghost miner or some of our international listeners and stuff give let's give a quick summary of, of what kind of what the show was because it wasn't just a ghost hunter show it wasn't anything can you can you give us like the elevator pitch i will because i did this show because it was so unique yeah i thought i was unique too because when they first came to me and say oh we love what you did on haunted oaks and blah 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 and we love your books and stuff like that i said I said, I don't want to do another cookie cutter show. It's like, because Ghost Hunters is out and all these other shows were coming out at the same, after that, they were just based on the same model. Team goes out to a location, investigates, here's our evidence. New location, here's our evidence, and blah, blah, blah. Ghost Mine, it was one location for the entire show. So the elevator pitch is a hundred year old mine is reopened and a new mining crew goes in to dig out the gold. And when they're in there, they start experiencing stuff. They're hearing noises. They're seeing shadows. Uh, equipment is there's failure with the equipment. And just, there's that weird feeling inside the mine that these are experienced miners and they experience weird stuff all the time. They're dealing with death every day. The, the possibility of dying. Yeah. In, in the mine mining, mining is no joke. Yeah. So when these guys are experiencing something they can't explain or something weird, mm-hmm. you got to yeah, listen to it. So the mine owner's like, okay, I've already had one mining group tramp out, which means they quit and left. I'm going to bring in a paranormal investigating team to basically work side by side with these guys. So if they're experiencing something, the investigators could go check it out and let the guys know that's cool to continue to work because it's not going to, it's not, it's not there to harm them. And that's where Kristen and I came in. And that's your, your, your co-host was... Kristen Lumen. Kristen Lumen. And she's a little younger. She was like an actress and hypnotherapist and stuff like that. So she brought in a different perspective than the, the straight-up paranormal researcher? She's a hypnotherapist. On the actor side, I always had to defend her. She's not an actress. She was... Because that's the thing with the trolls. The trolls like to go, she's an actress. Look at her. Look at this one clip I found. What she did, she lives in L.A. And she had a friend that was putting a, a, a movie together. And they asked her, hey, do you want to be like in a part in this movie? So she said, sure. It's for a friend. So right. people always pull up that one little movie that, oh, she's an actress. It's like, no, she was helping a friend out who was creating a little, a little low-budget film. So she's an incredible investigator. She's been investigating since she was 14 years old. Okay. And she's still best friends with her, her partner, who she and another girl. They were like the, a two-girl team. 
forget what they called themselves. It was like a funny girly name. It was like two girly ghost hunters or something like that. <laughs> oh, that no, that's great though. But they're 14 year olds. And um, so she's a great investigator and now she does the, uh, psych- the um, hypnotherapy. So she did bring a, the, the yin to my yang where I'm more the uh, technology, the more historical research part of it, knowing like going way back into like just like just knowing where, where it all started from. And she's coming from the, the way the brain works and how we see things and how we interpret things. So it was a great team to come into this environment. And that's what we wanted. We just wanted two people who work well together but are the, the, two, the two sides of one coin. And so you guys, you guys did a bunch of episodes of Ghost Mine. Bunch of episodes was uh, killing in the ratings. Was a huge following. People wanting more. We had it set up for an ep- for a season three. We were going to Arizona, and then management at Sci-Fi changed. Okay, was that when it changed from from SCIFI to SYFI? No, no, it was still it was still the the SIFI, the SYFI. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. It was still that, but uh, I, the way we heard it, our contracts for season three were on the desk of uh, the big the person who had to sign the contracts, and that person got fired. New person stepped into the desk, sat down, said, "I don't like ghost shows." Swept that into the trash can. Right, and pro- they, that's that's the thing when these things change over, they always want to bring in their own ideas and stuff like yep. that. And so, but, so you had two great seasons of Ghost Mine. Two amazing seasons, like uh, great evidence, and we wanted to do more. Uh, we still have a; it's been two years, and we still have an amazing fan following saying, "When are you coming back?" And unfortunately, the answer is always, "It can't come back." And people say, "Oh, why can't you take it to travel or Destination America?" It's because Sci-Fi owns the show, right? It's like they don't own Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters is—I um, don't know the actual deal with it. It's like leased or something like that, where they buy episodes. Okay, so like the production company owns Ghost Hunters, so that's like it's—it's it's yeah. not the network. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So yeah, Ghost Mine is owned by Sci-Fi. All right. So, so does and- this, does this change your life? Does Ghost Mine like you like you said like you just had a YouTube series and now you're you've gone from the guy who was investigating these places on his own in DC in maybe the not best part of town you know in the in the <laughs> dangerous era for in the the, the pre gentrified DC like mm-hmm. and now you're on the Sci Fi Channel in a mine mm-hmm. like investigating this stuff for real how does this how does this change your life completely like were you you know were you just were you writing full-time were you doing were you like working the job and like holy crap like i gotta i gotta get my miner's hat on like let's go <laughs> that's a funny thing it's like it's like people always say like what's it like being on on tv and the filming and stuff like you eventually forget the cameras are there because you're so into the investigation and like the true like real investigators out there will will understand that that you're just so in, you're enveloped in the environment and you're just investigating. So you forget Cameron. There are times where I was I would be investigating and I'd turn my head to the left real quick and I'd bump into the camera because I didn't know they were right there. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you just don't. So you're just you just forget that it's going on because you're just doing your thing, and and we it's never got six days a week. I mean, this is your life. Oh yeah. It was our life, basically. It was just people just filming our life, basically. And I didn't know what was going to be aired. I didn't know what was going to be what was being cut together. And so we would do um, viewing parties here in Portland, Oregon, 
and people would always want to talk, but I was going, no, I want to watch because I haven't seen this. <laughs> right. You were there, <laughs> but you want to see how that your, your week of your life turns to 44 minutes. Exactly. And, I, and while Kristen and I were investigating one section of the mine, the miners were working another section of the mine. So we never got to see what they were doing. So it was interesting seeing their part of it. So it was like I was watching the show with fresh eyes as well. Okay, awesome. But that's also when I would like yell at the screen. It's like, why didn't they show that evidence? It was awesome evidence and they didn't show it. What was the most convincing piece of evidence you think you got uh, out of the entire two seasons? Like there's something you're just like, you know what? That's... That's what I've been looking for. Oh, there's there's a couple. Like I said, like I always call it like Ghost Mind, the TV show. What was aired was like the highlight reel. That's okay. what I call it because, like, again, it's like there's so much stuff that wasn't shown. Uh, the stuff that people will remember from the show is when I came face to face with that shadow figure in the dredge. Uh, there were no cameras, so people didn't get to see what I saw, but they could see in my face that they know what I saw. Right. Um, there's the shadow figure in the Freemason, uh, drift that we talked about earlier, where I actually got a photograph of it, like going into the wall, into a solid rock wall. I uh, got three shots of that. And, um, I always love, uh, EVPs. EVPs are always like my favorite bits of evidence, like other than the stuff that you see yourself. Well, EVPs feel like you're talking to an intelligence. You know, because it's, it's answering the question. Like a shadow figure could be a recording or something mm-hmm. like that. An EVP, somebody's answering your question. In, in, in some cases, yeah, but we had some where it was more residual. We okay. had one where we, um, I don't know what, I think it was season one. I don't know what episode. Um, but we were checking out a cave-in. And we were just, Chris and I were just talking. I think Stan was there too. And in the recording... It sounds like an old 49er, like like an old school, like, yeah, yip-de-yahoo kind of guy. <laughs> and it's just awesome. in, in the, really, it's in the distance. All you hear is, ooh, lucky. And it's what? like, you that's just hear crazy. it way in the background. And it's like, and I, we played it for the guys and said, oh, that's where a rich vein of gold used to be. So it's like, ooh, lucky. It's like maybe an old 40 or an old miner back in the day. Maybe we tapped into that happy moment. Well, and that, that moment probably defined his life. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, think about the psychic imprint that would be left on finding a huge vein of gold. Oh, yeah. It's, so, like, that was never shown on the show. Um, we are constantly hearing tools being worked on the rocks. Like, because the guys you see on the show, you see the guys working, like, with the big hydraulic drills and stuff. Like, that's what they use now. But in the mine, we'd hear um, metal on stone, like a pickaxe. And they don't use pickaxes. Like, like Greybeard and Duck would do like um, assays like, where they chip a little bit of rock off mm-hmm. with, a, with a hammer. But this was like a pickaxe, like really getting into the rock. Right. And that, that's, that's 1849 kind of stuff. Yeah, that's way back in the day. And then I always had to bring up the uh, Sumter bed and breakfast. I say, for, if any weird chance you're ever in Sumter, Oregon, stay at the bed and breakfast because that's one of those places that every time I go in there, I have an experience. And I think it's at this point because they know me. And ah. I've, got, I've, I've gotten to the, the point where every time, I even before I even walk in the door, I take a voice recorder, turn it on, and put it in my pocket. Because every time I've ever walked in there, I've gotten a voice talking to me. And like you were saying about answering questions. Well, I think, I think this is good too because you know, one of the things you brought up is that you got a lot of great evidence, so much that you felt like they didn't even put enough on television. 
But I, I like what you said, coverage and time. Mm-hmm. You spent the entire season in one place, number one. Yes. You were there six out of seven days a week, number two. Six cameras, number three. A cr- you know, people go somewhere for a night. I'm like, ah, oh, nothing yep. happened. I don't think there's anything there. Well, yeah. But if you're there for a few months, for days at a time, yep. running cameras the whole time, you are increasing your chances of seeing exactly. something exponentially. And that's why I wanted to do the show so badly because – what are you you're saying that I'm going to be at a pl- one place for three months investigating? It's like I'm going to catch something. It's like yeah, it's like what you were just saying. It's like what's the odds? What's the chances of you catching something in one night a year of investigation in a whole year? It's like it's Vegas odds. Right, right. No, it's <laughs> you. It's winning the lottery having something happen. So that's that's interesting. So Ghost Mine, two awesome years. Then then mm-hmm. uh, you got a book out of it. Uh, I wrote a book uh, based on my uh, experiences up there because we had nothing else to do up there because we had no TV channels, nothing to do. So I wrote. And it's called Ghosts from the Ground Up, available on Amazon. And if you go to my my Facebook and all that, you'll find links there. Absolutely. But it's just uh, stories from the mine, uh, new theories that I came up with while up on the, on the mine site. Uh, life and death stories because we were facing life and death every day. Eddie saved my life. Um, I tell one story there, and it's just it's funny stuff. It's it's a lot of stuff that you really didn't get to see on the show, and people are seeming to love it. So they can check that out. We'll have links to that in the show notes. But then, okay, after Ghost Mine ends, yep. What are you doing for a little bit before? I mean, how does Behind the Screams happen? That happened. Thanks to Kristen Lumen. Okay. <laughs> it's because I've been, because I was self publishing my books back when I was doing my web series and all that stuff. So the Edgar Font Hunt for a House to Haunt series, uh, there's three in that series right now. I just finished the fourth one. I have uh, The Ghost of Zombie, which is a little graphic novel I wrote. I have uh, Next Rest Stop Earth, which is a sci fi adventure. So when, when Ghost Mine ended, you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before, which is writing I'm, and I'm writing, yeah. Creating, but I'm, yeah. I'm self publishing. And the greatest thing that ever came from Ghostmine is being introduced to my publisher. And they loved the Edgar Font series and said, we're signing this, we're signing you, and we're going full force right now, me and my Rothko Press. We're going full force with Edgar Font, and we're just going to be – they got great great uh, stuff happening with so that it, series. So it turns from – it turns from a one-man operation. And I know, I mean, so like me and my band, we've been self-releasing and doing our own thing for, you know, over a decade and keeping it up. And that's part of this podcast is we do it as a, you know, as a band. Yeah. And, uh, but like doing, doing your own thing is, is great for a long time. Oh, yeah. But then you're always hoping that you can, you know, that maybe you'll find a like-minded uh, company to work with that people who know, who that you know you can succeed together with instead of them just exploiting you. <laughs> Exactly. You know. It's finding those right people because there are, like you just said, there are those people that want to exploit you. And I was just talking to like my agent the other day, Dr. Rebecca Housel. Our, oh, ab- absolutely, yeah. Rebecca. And we'll link to her. We interview her a few episodes before Pop Culture Professor. One of the greatest women alive, hardest, hardest, hardest worker women in the in the business. And she can talk. But I mean, like she can <laughs> she can talk in like any subject. Like she'll she'll do some kind of connection to something else and just go oh, yeah. on. It's a very entertaining woman. Oh, yeah, she's on it. But um, it's those people. It's just like the people that really believe in you and um, who you could trust, really. Because before I met these people, I've turned – oh, I was talking to Rebecca the other day 
about how many shows I've turned down after Ghost Mine. Because as soon as Ghost Mine was announced being canceled, I had a dozen production companies saying, okay, now that you're free from that contract, why don't you do this show? And they were the worst show ideas you could possibly imagine. All right, without getting too specific, <laughs> without getting too specific, what was the one where you like you didn't even want to finish? What was the oh worst example? Was something like... Uh, you know, like haunted frat, or like what? Like what was oh, something that you're like? I can't that, even believe this. That would be this. a bad. That would be a bad one. <laughs> oh my god, I, you're taking me back to really bad times. All right, I don't mean to. <laughs> no, it's like one of dredge things. it up like a therapy session. Uh, it's like it's one of the one of those things. Just like you know, you really you're 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 bringing that up. <laughs> it's like no, it, I think like some of them were like just like I don't know. Haunted collector already did like haunted objects, but this was like haunted something haunted. I don't know, action figures or something. I don't know what it was. It, All was, right, like, even it was like the worst thing ever. <laughs> it's like haunted Star Wars figures or something. Just a, it was like the worst thing. But uh, that led me to, I did an experiment, an online experiment based, based on these terrible show ideas I was getting. Okay. I actually created a fake show to see who would believe it. And I created uh, Naked in the Paranormal. Because that's when Naked and Afraid was coming out and all these other naked... Right, and naked dating and everything. Like, yeah. It's been a whole thing. So I created a little banner called Naked Naked and the Paranormal, and I put it up on Facebook. said, oh, can you believe that this show is actually going to happen? And if you feel like... I just put out a fake posting. Oh, people ate it up. It, it was showing up everywhere. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe that it's come to this. And eventually, I just... After two days, I was going to let it go for a week. But after two days, I was like, okay, I got to put an end to this because it's, it's gone too far. It was like getting posted everywhere. I said, no, it was fake. It was a social experiment. <laughs> and thank you for proving my point. That's awesome. Well, that, that, that is a great thing to – the fact that, you know, when you're like, well, people will – you know, it's, it's like if you watch Idiocracy. There's a, in, in the future, there's a show called All My Balls. And it's <laughs> like, well, I think we've all seen America's Funniest Home Videos. We know what happens. One of the greatest movies ever, too. <laughs> Right, so that that's a that's a fantastic just the the idea of the naked and the paranormal and and everybody picking up on it and realizing like hold on we got to shut this down before somebody <laughs> makes it and realize it got such a response that maybe we should trademark this real quick. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but uh, to get back to your question about uh, beyond the screams, okay, um, that came from Chris and Lumen. She's she lives down in L.A., so she was like, hey, I just did uh, a part in this show. Uh, for the Reels Network called Beyond the Screams, and they would love to for you to be a part of it. I said, I'm in. She told me the whole premise, what Behind the Screams is. It's the true stories behind horror movies that we love and have been watching for years. So this Saturday, oh, this I is coming know. out Monday, so that's okay. okay. So we'll okay. just say, so you can probably, people can probably watch this. It'll probably rerun all week, especially because it's Halloween season. Okay. On the Reels Network, it, it debuted Saturday, October 17th? Yes. So on the Reels Network, debuting on the 17th of this month, we uh, talked about the true story behind The Exorcist. And we get really get into like because I don't know the Exorcist is coming up a lot right now because we got that live Exorcism and going to be on some network here and I see the Exorcist the Exorcist is always a Halloween story. And we, we're getting we, we just talked about it last week because my sister just bought a book at the Chicago Paranormal Convention called Haunted Boy the the real di- the secret diary yeah. of the Exorcist done by uh, Christopher Saint Booth. Okay, yeah, and and so that goes into a little bit. So it was a a, a little kid in St. Louis in the nineteen forties, right? Mm-hmm. 
and we don't release his real name because he doesn't want his real name released. He's, Wait, he's still alive. Yeah, he's still alive, but he okay, go, go. he's he's moved on with his life. He doesn't want to talk about these things. So, no more pea soup. Yeah, we we came up with a fictional name and stuff like that. And pea soup wasn't a part of it. <laughs> that, that, that was only in the movie. That was Lyndon Blair. <laughs> but I love this series, Behind the Screams, because I've always said the true story is always scarier than the movie. Mm-hmm. And the Exorcist episode, and then we did The Conjuring, which is coming up this Saturday. Oh, my God. And that is such an awesomely scary yes. movie. I mean, yep. I, uh, oh, I just... I still think about taking my wife to that film and then her just yep. at the end of it looking at me and saying, I hate you. But the thing is, I, read, I knew the story. I read the story and I was scared already. I watched the movie. I was bored. Okay. Right. Well, because you knew the true scary story. I knew the true scary story. So when they said, oh, we're going to talk about The Conjuring, I was, hell yeah. Let's talk about the true story because <laughs> I saw the movie and it's crap. Um, the acting's fine and all that stuff. And it, it's, it's a good it's a good horror movie for if you never knew the story. It's a good horror movie, but the inspired by true events part, sure. But the but the true story is just oh my god! It's so much more intense and involved, and we really so we talked about the Exorcist. Uh, now we're talking about the Conjuring and getting into that true story. So I hope you check that one out. What date is that debut? Is that another Saturday? Is that a? It's the Saturday. So it was last Saturday. It's Conjuring is this Saturday. I don't have a calendar in front of me, but. Just say it's the Saturday coming up. Right. And then the following Saturday after that, we're doing Fire in the Sky. So we're getting to the aliens. Travis there. Walton. Okay. Yep. And, and that's pro- is that going to be the Halloween episode? That's the Halloween episode. Okay. So we're, it's, it's awesome stuff. And I've met Travis at a convention in Seattle once, and he's an interesting guy too. So uh, if you can, please check it out Reels Network, Reels Channel. Um, I've already gotten like uh, rumors that. Behind the Screams is already the fourth most watched show on the Reels Network. Okay, like so it's doing well the, the for his, him. In the history of the Reels Network. Oh, that's even better. So I'm hoping with Kristen and me on there telling stories of the, the true stories, we'll make it number one. We got to make it number one. Well, I, I encourage everybody to watch it because I, I it sounds great. It's a, it's a lot of the same kind of things we do here. You, you find out like the pop culture that we all like and, and movie, and then you say like, you know what? There's got to be something behind it. Yeah, definitely. And delving into it. Okay. Always, there's always something deeper behind the what you're hearing. Fantastic. You're Fantastic. Beyond that, though, do you have any other kind of paranormal investigations or things like that that you're doing right now that, like, on your own? Like you, you said, you still you go out on your own. Do you, do you still go out on your own? I still go on my own. So you'll probably see me. If you see, like, a weird shadow, like, walking around a, a cemetery or something like that in Portland, Oregon area, it's probably me. <laughs> Um, doing a lot of conventions, uh, comic, comic con, like, uh, dragon cons doing the paranormal convention circuit. Um, if you want me in your town, just, uh, send me a, a text or a Facebook message and I'll send it to Rebecca and we'll get it taken care of. But besides that, just writing and got very got some cool new stuff coming up. Now, last question. So a lot of people listening I know are. Amateur paranormal investigators. Okay. So, what are the uh, what do you think is the the top piece of advice that you wish you would have known when you were twenty years old and wandering around the streets of Washington D.C. <laughs> duck. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear gunfire, duck. No, that's only if you're in D.C. Back then, um, you don't need a lot of equipment, and you don't need a huge team. 
if you saw in Ghost Mine, it's just Christian and myself. Um, we had a lot of equipment, but we were given that equipment. When I do investigations now, I have a flashlight, a voice recorder, and a camera. That's all I have. And again, I do this for my personal experiences, but if I need to, re- I do want to record something for uh, sharing if it happens. But those are really the only three things you need flashlight for safety, because, yeah, stumbling around in the dark, that's no fun. Uh, camera to capture their evidence and voice recorder, because, again, I said EVPs are the greatest bits of, of, uh, of like, um, evidence I've captured in my, in my career here. So don't spend thousands of dollars on equipment. Beware of certain groups out there because there's a lot of groups out there that just want to be on TV. And newsflash, you're not going to be on TV. Right. (laughs) I know you want to be, and I know producers have talked to you and said, oh, we got this great new show that's going to be on this awesome network and stuff like that. I get these emails all the time. You're not going to be on TV. Producers are producers are making sizzle films every week, and look at the percentages. It's worse than Vegas odds. You're right. not going to be on TV. So worry about your experience and your evidence, and, and yes. the things that you can find for yourself and the do pe- it. the people in your group. Do it for yourself. Do it for the people who really, really care about the paranormal. Don't do it to be famous. Don't do it to like uh, get a thousand followers or ten thousand followers or whatever it is, whatever is popular now. Do it for yourself. Do it for your own personal experiences. I think that I think I think that's the best advice you can give to, to for just about anything. Yes, <laughs> tell you the truth. <laughs> so I, I gotta say, uh, I can't wait to see you guys and the, and the Reels Network to see behind the screams and watch this stuff. I'm really interested in The Conjuring. I don't know that much about the true story. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to that episode. And plus, it's incredible. anytime I get to see an interview with Travis Walton, you know <laughs> I'm going to watch that too because I love Fire in the Sky. And his story is one of the most amazing out there. But he turned down the show though. He wasn't able to do it. <laughs> okay, so it's, but it's you guys and you're... But I've met Travis, and so I've heard the story, so I'm kind of like sharing what I know. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Well, I I want everybody to watch that, and then also make sure that you follow Patrick on Twitter, and the links are in the show notes, and like him on Facebook. So thank you very much for joining us today, Patrick. It's been an honor, and it's a lot of fun to talk to you. Oh, thank you. It's been great. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks for having me again. Okay, awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Definitely. So how do you like that radio voice? I love that radio voice. Yeah, no, Patrick. <laughs> like I said, when I was working on editing the interview together, I was like, oh man, he's got, I could listen to this all day. Yeah, and that's, and that's why he's a host. So. And when it's a good sounding voice that also has interesting things to listen to, that makes it even, you know, the best. So It, it certainly helps. He's a great guest. So uh, thanks, Patrick, for that interview. And the ghost. Thanks, Patrick. The ghost mine with the old Westy kind of theme, I think, helped inspire this week's song, which takes a little bit of, uh, well, I guess Old West and some country inspiration because we got some violin, acoustic guitar, and we talk about wanted posters. And the title of it is Ghost Town. i
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Ooh.